0: Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer. This is a bonus episode brought to you by our investigative platform, Noteworthy, where we carry out journalistic projects based on ideas sent to us by the public. I'm Susan Daly. And last week we at Noteworthy joined forces with our colleagues at the Good Information Project to look at Ireland's childcare sector. The cost of childcare in Ireland is among the highest in the EU and parental leave entitlements among the worst. Now, our investigative reporter, Peter Maguire, who painted a stark picture of the sector in his work for us on this, is joining us today. And we're also fortunate to be joined by Professor Matthias Urban, Desmond Chair of Early Childhood Education and Director of the Early Childhood Research Centre at Dublin City University. Peter, can we get a handle, please, on Ireland's childcare sector and how it's performing? I think it'll come as no surprise to the parents among our listeners that there are major issues here.
1: That's right, Susan. There have been improvements in recent years, such as the early childhood care and education scheme, which is very, very popular with parents. Um, There's also been a commitment to increase investment um, by 2028 uh, towards close to a billion. But Ireland still does lag behind a lot of other EU and OECD countries on a range of metrics. And we're gonna look here at the UNICEF report, which was released in, I think it was June or July, 2021. And the four metrics they looked at were affordability, access, quality, and parental leave. So out of 41 developed countries surveyed by UNICEF, Ireland scored 33rd for affordability, 38th for parental leave, and 14th for access. Uh, and we, had, we were given no score on quality because uh, there simply isn't the data there. Uh, Ireland, UK, and a few other countries didn't have enough data for them to compile statistics on quality.
0: Okay, and Peter, if we look at the way the system is working, we're looking at it working for parents and children, employees and self-employed workers in the sector. Is it safe to say that it's it's not working for all of those? And if we were to look at each of those groups, say, look at parents, first thing here on their minds is going to be affordability or should we say unaffordable?
1: Yeah, and I think everyone will know either the experience they've had themselves with childcare or they have family and friends who are really struggling. I was talking to a person only in the past few days. I won't name them, but like a lot of parents, really struggled to find a childminder based around South Dublin, couldn't get a crash space. So ultimately has ended up employing someone directly to work in in the house uh, w- with the child. Um, they're gonna be paying at least 400 a week. That's just cash in hand. So there's a huge black economy issue here as well, which you we won't even get into. Um, and the, the mother I was talking to says, the only reason she's doing this, is you know, her wage just about covers childcare is so that in two years, two or three years time, when the kids go to preschool, that she'll still have a job, that she'll still have a career. But the, at the same time as this, you know, there's also been a lot of talk about a cost of living crisis and any working parent or anyone will tell you, um, alongside rent or mortgage, childcare is the biggest cost. We've got some of the highest fees in the EU. And we know from plenty of reports, such as the UNICEF report, OECD reports, the government's own parliamentary budget office very supports they commissioned that of is is one of the most expensive places in the developed world for for childcare. Looking at some stats, it would suggest that Switzerland is the most expensive, then us, then the Slovak Republic. So costs in Dublin much higher, much higher than in other parts of the country. Also very high in Cork. Within Dublin, then you've got the Dunleary Rathdown, where which is the most expensive place for childcare. And some of the reasons for that are issues with availability of child care. Rent is a big cost because, you know, if there's a premises, they have, to, they have to pay rents. Ratio requirements, you know, the amount of staff that they have to have per child. So, and it can end up being a lot cheaper, like Leitrim, Monaghan are, are, are some of the cheapest places for child care in the country. But yeah, it, it's definitely for a lot of parents, just a huge cost compared to what you're going to pay in other countries.
0: Right. And even within those counties, Leech and Monaghan, I'm sure parents there would argue that it's still a quite significant chunk of their, their take home pay. um. And there are commitments from the minister to make it more affordable. um. And I suppose we'll get that to a little bit later. And hopefully there are some improvements that for lower income families might be to their advantage. But Peter, our parental leave entitlements are not helping matters either, are they? no
1: our parental leave entitlements are also among the worst in the developed world and slightly ahead of switzerland and also ahead of new zealand and and with the unicef report what it looked at was quite an interesting metric it didn't just look at how long parents are given for leave, but what the full-time paid equivalent is and so how much the state would pay compared to what they'd be earning in a full-time equivalent and we score very low here and the country that comes best is actually japan uh, that's followed by Romania, Estonia, South Korea, and Luxembourg. Luxembourg, considered the best place in the world overall for childcare. Um, and Japan is an interesting example because it offers the longest entitlement to paid leave for fathers, 30 weeks of full-pay equivalent. And when this was introduced in 2007, only about 1.6% of fathers used it. By 2019, that number was up to 7.5%. And Japan is now introducing more flexible paternity leave, Um as the government wants to increase this to, to 30%. And when we were interviewing Roger Gorman, the Minister for Children, he did acknowledge, he said, we don't provide enough paid leave to parents. And he says this will be a key focus in his time as minister. We have to support parents in the choices they make, he said, especially in the first year of a child's life. Um, and leave entitlements will move to seven weeks per parent per year. But that's still quite far behind where a lot of other places are.
0: Right. And, and we're talking about paid leave there as well. And in terms of paid, what does that mean? Does it mean to the level of your salary or does it mean a state payment, which can often fall much, much lower than that? So apart from the prohibitive cost of childcare, there's also a big issue for parents. You mentioned this, Peter um, Dunleary-Rathdown, for example, in access can be a challenge in availability.
1: That's right, Susan. And um, Walter Gorman acknowledged that with us as well. Um, he acknowledged particularly for children under the age of three, there can be real difficulty getting childcare. And like I mentioned earlier, many rely on private childminders in the black economy. Uh, there are a number of initiatives, including the Child Minding Action Plan, which he says he's hoping to will improve choice and availability. And um, That said, we're not the worst here. Uh, we rank 14th in the UNICEF study out of 41 OECD countries but one of the big issues that you know various organizations like bernardus one family uh, early childhood ireland will point out is we've no public right to access childcare here so it's not a legal obligation and this is different from say austria belgium denmark or finland Uh, a country that's doing very well in terms of access is the netherlands and what you find there is there's so many different ways that parents can get their, their children minded there's play groups uh there's babysitters, trained nannies, childminder child services, there's nurseries. They even have, for shift workers, a 24-hour reception care. But what's really lacking here, and this is something that Frances Byrne of Early Childhood Ireland pointed out, is that we don't really track, we don't track this very well. So if a childcare room closes, we don't track that. Um, so the government has no real way of knowing exactly what's needed. Um, so she, she's calling there for more data, more planning and more tracking, particularly on room closures because as she points out with primary school we know exactly how many children are coming in what the exact needs are going to be and there's no reason we can't really do something similar for children under the age of three um which really early childhood Ireland and other professional you know other experts will point out you know zero to two is so formative for children I mean you can get so much right beyond two but if you don't get things right up to the age of two it can and I don't mean to sound too gloomy here it can often be a little late you know children are then playing catch up and, and there may be issues ongoing throughout their lives if they don't have good early, very early childhood experiences.
0: And I suppose the, the key point there is if you don't know what the gap is, you can't make provision to fill it. And so you're starting on the back foot for planning. Um, Peter, obviously the current provisions are not working for parents. And just what you said there as well, and that's not to scare parents, Um. But you know they're also not working for children a lot of the time. If, if you know, people are scrambling for places and, and basically having to take what they get.
1: That's right. Yeah, and you know there is a, a little bit of a lack of, of data on quality here. You no, know, we're not alone in that. There's other countries that haven't. That the UNICEF report couldn't give you know quality metrics for, but early years education it is critical for developing brain. So of course parents have a very critical urgent need. To have someone to mind their their, their child, particularly babies and toddlers, um, But we know that investing in these early years can ultimately lead. It can save money in the long term because it leads to less crime, fewer victims of crime, less social deprivation, less criminal justice inter- interventions, and. Um, but th- there has been a lot of focus on the early years school age childcare also very important as well. Uh, we spoke to dcu academic um dr paul downs he was a member of the government commission on school age childcare, and what he pointed out is that sometimes the models can essentially be a storage system as, as in his words for children and they can become quite listless and demotivated in an unsimulated environment that doesn't respect their need for play and rest and he would be quite concerned about what's known as the schoolification of childcare, um And he said, you know, that that it's just an extension of school. So the facilities for school age children, they really need to be purpose-built, which would, which, you know, that's not just a classroom at the end of the day. He argues that we need an after-school strategy that encompasses sports, outdoor education, and the arts. But of course, these will all be things that particularly built, you know, the infrastructure demand there would be quite expensive.
0: OK, Um. and listen, I'm going to thank Professor Matthias Urban for his patience because I'm going to bring you in here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you work closely with the EU and the European Commission on how countries approach policies on early childhood care. Professor Nor- Professor Urban, this is an issue that the EU and the OECD seem to be taking quite seriously.
2: Oh, yes, and they have for for quite some time now. Um. I suppose um, one of the things that we uh, we've all learned over the last two years is that uh, a functioning early childhood education and care system is a critical part of a country's infrastructure, and uh, if it if it doesn't work, if it collapses, as we've seen uh, during um, the uh, pandemic if it's at risk of collapse, that it has huge repercussions for not just for children and parents, but for the entire uh, economy of a country. So the EU has actually been looking into this uh, for um, decades. The first uh, policy sort of uh, recommendation uh, uh, out of the EU came came out came in nineteen ninety two, urging the member states to invest in what they called childcare at the time making that connection to gender equality and to the ambition to to, to develop the uh, european union union into one of the most competitive um, economic spaces in the world so there was this clear connection being made if you want to encourage mainly women to uh, take part in the labor market um, you have to provide childcare. Um, One of the things that has changed over the years, and the OSCD and the EU have been quite instrumental in this, is that children actually have entered the picture. So this whole discussion about childcare being a service for working parents has been uh, connected to um, early childhood education as a right of each and every child to education from birth. And that's connected to our commitment to the um, UN convention on the rights of the child but to talk about the right to education there is a, a specific uh, comment on that uh, uh, convention by the uh, uh, children's rights committee that says education is something that we see as starting from birth there are many countries uh, investing a lot of well energy resources money into making that integration happen, um, we're not there yet. Um, um, in many countries, there's still a split system, and this is what we see in Ireland as well. The uh, distinction between childcare, that is, which is heavily reliant on private uh, provision, and uh, uh, an early, uh, an early learning sort of um, element to that. But in general, the international consensus is. Uh, integration of early child education and child care and actually we're going to come to this in a minute a much broader integration of services uh, for children and families and communities that go that reach beyond uh, child care and um, early
0: education and early years and professor um, I mean the government and I know that you're very much uh, attuned to this conversation they are talking about they're moving to a model that is a hybrid of public and private provision like is that the right model for us
2: well i suppose in a way that's what we have i mean we we're heavily reliant on private provision in uh, in this country especially when it comes to the youngest children and peter mentioned um the uh, how um well to and put it mildly positive and, and colourful the sector is, we have um, everything from um, what you call the black market uh, uh, to, uh, to um, individual childminders um, looking after children, doing a great job, to small um, businesses that cater for um, the community. Um, up to large internationally operating uh, childcare chains in this country so this and, and everything in between um, much of this is already publicly funded in one way or another through uh, funding that goes directly to services to, to, to funding that goes to parents and yet uh, as we've heard from peter's introduction it is still um well it's it's unaffordable f- for parents so something's not working there Um, There was never uh, um, someone sitting down saying, actually, let's plan uh, what works for Ireland. What I would argue is that we know from uh, international evidence and from looking into uh, our own context that uh, it is now the time to make a bold commitment to a transition to a fully public and universal early childhood education care system, which is achievable within um, over a transition period and i I, um, i'm going to put myself out there uh, saying five years from now starting now what do i mean by public uh, fully public system universal public system first of all it is an early childhood education and care system that would come with an entitlement to a place in an early childhood setting for each and every child as we have in uh, many other countries It would be a system that is publicly funded, organized, coordinated, and provided locally. And this is where the Irish situation, I think, um, is really important. This is not about applying a model that we take from another country. Uh, There are obviously discussions about um, why can't we be like Norway or um, one of the other countries. We have to start from where we are. We also have to look into the strength of um, the situation that we have. And I want to give a really big shout out here to educators and services who did their utmost to actually support children and parents through uh, the pandemic and under very difficult uh, conditions. We need a full scale system change in terms of how we administer, how we govern, how we plan for our system, how we uh, how we. Forward plan for um, um, early childhood provision. Peter mentioned the, question, uh, the difficulty of access, for instance. Um, we leave quite a lot of this, almost all of this, uh, to the market, uh, which leads to situations not uh, uh, providers go where there is uh, a market, and that means. Quite often means that communities and, and parents that are not strong in that market, as in marginalized communities, impoverished communities, um, are not catered for by the market
0: are not catered for. Professor Urban, thank you for that because that is a really strong, I suppose, vision for the system. And we know that the government has said they want to invest €970 million Euro by 2028, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be enough. And you also mentioned there um, around the the providers and the people working in childcare, and it's been a tough two years for everybody. And Peter, um, when we talked about it, not working for parents and not working for children, can you tell me though? I mean, was it working for those employees and people working on what we should call the front line, I guess, as well?
1: No, absolutely not. Um, and the sector has become so much more professionalised in recent years. And um, you know, there's now university degrees. I think, I think there's one at Manute and one at DCU as well. Um, and you know, you talk to anyone working in the sector or around the sector or studying policy in the sector, and the same kind of story keeps coming up again and again and again a childcare professional who's gone to college, perhaps has a master's degree, uh, who is earning the average hourly wage uh, in that sector of 12.45 per hour, which is barely over the living wage for the year in question. That's after a four year degree. And Aldi uh, opens up down the road and they're actually, they, they make more money there. They're leaving the sector and they're going to work in Aldi after having done a, a four year childcare degree, um, which is, you know, obviously quite disheartening for the people who who would work in that sector. And there's been a study done by SIPTU in 2019 that found that 94% of workers in the sector really struggled to make ends meet. Um, And the government did a report as well, um, the Crow-Howarth report uh, into the cost of providing quality childcare services. And the, the owners, the providers who are looking to attract staff were all saying that, you know, the capacity to attract uh, staff is a is a key concern for them, um, and they have difficulty attracting suitably qualified and experienced staff. And um, so, you know, a- addressing the the cost base and Professor Urban, uh, you know, referred to this as well. Perhaps with, with state supports will help uh, will help those providers. And in fairness to the government now, um, you know, they they are putting more money into the sector. There is much more public funding available than ever before. Um. Uh, And that's, you know, that's they have a plan called nurturing skills. That's going to be key, according to Roger O'Gorman, into helping to deliver a better wage structure and a professional environment with advancement and promotion opportunities for people coming into the sector. There's a hope that fees won't go up in September 2022. There's still some uncertainty about whether that will happen or not because it's going through a joint labor process, a joint labor committee at the moment. I won't get into all the details on that. But it is hoped that that will be wrapped up well in advance of September twenty twenty two, so at least parents won't face um more difficulties, and also then the the people working in the sector will kind of have better you know opportunities.
0: And Peter, everybody's waiting on what's going to be recommended by the joint committee, as opposed to just getting on with it. You know, improving those wage and conditions for people working in the sector as an immediate and urgent concern
1: yeah you know things can tend to go through various committees and procedures in ireland uh, when perhaps we kind of know what the problem is there are like it would be it's unusual for a joint labour committee to be moving as fast as they hope this one will move but certainly the minister is confident that you know it will be done by september 22 20 by september 2022 of this year kathleen function of Sinn fein not quite so confident when i spoke to her that that's going to happen ivana batrick not 100 sure that's going to happen either um but certainly, for parents, hopefully you know and for people working in the sector, hopefully we will get there um because a a lot is riding on that, and a lot is riding on it politically for the minister you know he he's he's put a lot of political capital into fixing the childcare problem um which is so central to the cost of living problem that we're all probably talking about at the moment as well
0: you're mentioning the cost of living there and I think that's, you know, we know by the cost of living crisis that we're all deeply concerned about at the moment and most people you speak to will highlight two major costs, rent and childcare and Professor Urban I might just come to you on the very last word um, if we can, you know if we had maybe even just like a few seconds left in this, I'd love to hear what you think would be your optimism about what we're doing with the childcare sector and what the kind of Bold policy statement is that you spoke about, and will it be here before my toddler leaves school?
2: Well, I suppose I'm, I was just listening to Peter there saying about uh, talking about fixing the problem. I mean, I, th- I think we have to acknowledge there are a lot of positive developments in the sector that uh, are sort of underway. And they have to be uh, commended. And, uh, and the Labour Committee and, and, and all these activities and the Workforce Development Plan, the new funding model, all these are elements that are uh, uh, highly welcome. But I think it is in that, it keeps, it, we're staying in that mindset of fixing the problem. We're not getting to actually making a commitment as a society. And I, I would le- like to see some po- um, uh, political leadership there to actually fundamentally reforming and changing the system that we have and i can see the difficulties there because i mean it's it's um, uh, uh, i uh, i don't envy the minister for for this task because it is something that obviously has immediate effects on children on families but it also is something that goes much much further than just early child education and care it is a question of how we as citizens how we as a country collectively see uh, the purpose of uh, relating to young children uh, collectively how we define what is the purpose of early child edu- education care why should we bother why is this important um why is it more than um, what paul da- downs ref- refers to as the stor- storage system or as a preparation for children to move into the compulsory school system why should we as a society collectively take responsibility for the younger citizens for each and every child in this country this is a democratic discussion that i would like to see initiated with urgency now um, because um, a lot of the decisions that we take in terms of how do we see ourselves resourcing the sector what how do we see ourselves Uh, structuring the services and the delivery and how do we see ourselves um, valuing um, the people uh, um, providing early child education, they hinge on that fundamental uh, uh, democratic decision, how do we as a society relate to all children Um, in this country. I'd like to see that, and I'd like to see uh, some political leadership initiating that discussion. In terms of resourcing, I just want to sort of, that's sort of a um, more practical remark. Yes, um, a lot of um, um, commitment is out there to increase funding for early child education and care. But what we haven't seen is a clear commitment to meeting the internationally agreed um, target of one percent one percent GDP we have no uh, commitment to meeting at least OECD average and uh, I think when we're talking about learning from other countries one of the countries that we should be looking at at the moment is for instance a development in Canada where the federal government is uh, negotiating what they call childcare care agreements with the provinces and territories uh, and There is a clear commitment to spending a 27 billion Canadian dollars over the next five years in order to uh, to establish a Canada wide early child education care system and it comes with a commitment to um, parental fees of um, uh, an average of 10 Canadian dollars per full day, which translated into Ireland would um, amount to about 150 euros per month for full. Um, early child education and care Um, and it comes with a commitment to transitioning out of a private model to help private providers to transition into uh, non-profit business models I think we should be learning from and with these uh, developments.
0: Professor thank you for that and I have to say, child-centric childcare, what a novel idea. (laughs) I thank you both uh, for coming in to join us, Professor Matthias Urban and our reporter Peter Maguire on this. And a special thanks to our colleagues at the Good Information Project. You can check out the project's work on the site now on the journal. And you've been listening to this bonus episode of The Explainer brought to you by noteworthy.ie. It was produced by Laura Byrne. If you want to learn more about our work at Noteworthy and how we source our stories from you, our readers and listeners, head to our site at noteworthy.ie and sign up to our newsletter which gives you an insider look at our latest investigations by visiting noteworthy.ie forward slash newsletter. Thanks for having us and see you next time.